Well, those of you who don't know, my name is Norman Dale. I coached college ball for 10 years, but it's been 12 years since I've blown this. So I'm going to be learning from you just like you learned from me. I'm going to be setting up practices a little bit differently than you're used to, but as you'll find out, everything has its reasons. Basketball is a voluntary activity. It's not a requirement. Any of you feel you don't want to be on a team, feel free to leave right now. Did you hear what I said? Me? Yes, you. Sure, I'm just curious to know when we start. We start when I say so. Okay, would you kind of let me know, because I'm kind of getting tired of standing... out of here, right now. You're kicking me out? Yes. Don't come back until you learn to keep your mouth shut and listen. Break my heart. Come on, Whit, let's fly this chicken coop. Have fun, Coach, trying to win with five. Well, make that four and a half players. He's Bobby Hensley. I'm Sean Styers. We are two guys talking sports movies. Back with you once again, and we have a sports classic to get into this week. Don't you call them all classics? This is a classic, though. I think you've said several, well, maybe it's just the run we've had lately. We did Rocky, we did Jerry Maguire. We've had some really, like some some high-profile movies. I think this is high-profile, too. I agree. I think among the ones we've, I mean, we started off with, like, Field of Dreams, Bull Durham. Those are both pretty high-profile in the sports movie genre, I think. But I think this has got to be right up there, probably on the Mount Rushmore as well. Hoosiers! You think it's on the Mount Rushmore of sports movies? Um... Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. I am. All right. Now, you've, you're going to have a completely different perspective on this because this is the second movie we've done that you have never seen before, before this. It's more than the second. Little exercise. I thought it was just the second. Slapshot, Bull Durham. Oh, I forgot this. about Slapshot. I forgot about Maybe Slapshot. Maybe that's it. Bull Durham is the one I was thinking. I had right. forgotten about Slapshot. I wish we could all forget about Slapshot. But uh, no. All right. Yeah. This is directed by David Anspaugh and written by Angelo Puzo. And that was their first movie. Their first movie, but we have done another collaboration yes. between Multiple Anspaugh times. And, We've done a couple podcasts. That's right. This will officially be, as far as those two are concerned, the third Anspaugh Puzo related podcast. We should reach out to them. We're their biggest yes. fans at this point. They did Rudy. Anspaugh directed Rudy. Puzo uh, wrote Rudy. And I mentioned that, I think, in the original Rudy podcast. We did. These were the same guys. So when you think about it that way, can you see sort of a connection to the two stories at all? Um, yeah, I guess because the fact they're both sports movies, they're both underdog, underdog roles, story. severe underdog yeah. stories. Um, the way that it was put together felt kind of similar even. The music felt a little similar even though they're years apart. I, I thought the music in this was... Similar kind of music. The way they used it in the scenes. And I think, really, you guys mentioned you and Vince D'Addario love the Rudy music because of how iconic it is. And I, and I don't think that it's as iconic in this one, but I think it's great in the scenes. Yeah, but there are still... Like, I went to... I've been to a, a couple Hoosiers-related events at high school basketball games, and the Hoosiers music is recognizable. You hear that music, it's like, oh, Hoosiers. Just like Rudy, you hear that... And that's I, I think that the Rudy stuff, because of where we live around Notre Dame, is maybe overused a little bit much. And, and sure. so for me, you hear it at every I, think game that, and I, I don't think I really hit that in our, in our Rudy podcast. That, I think, to me, is why it doesn't resonate so much, just because it's used so much around here. Well, All we don't right. have to yeah. get caught up in I, that. Um, so as I say, when was the last time you watched this movie before this uh, Long time exercise? Ago. Long time ago. So what's the number one thing that stands out to you? Like, before you watched it again, what stood out or what do you remember the most well i don't know that it's what i remember the most but i would say that this is similar to rocky in that it is not a dialogue it's not it's it's not reliant on a lot of heavy dialogue it's it's much more visual 
than I even remembered. Just with just a lot of the setting shots and things like that. And you get like the whole opening of the show. It's this car driving down the high, highway with the headlights on, and you get all the you get mm-hmm. very uh, familiar quickly with the rural setting that it's yeah. in, and and the gr- the gray clouds. I mean, it's were there were, were there ever any sunny days <laughs> in Hoosiers for that? No, there are, there are there, well, there's obviously dialogue, but I, right. that that was the thing that stood that well, that struck me the most is that. It's a very visual movie. It's kind of funny you say that because I had not watched the movie before, but I heard the name Jimmy Chitwood. Yeah. He only has four lines of dialogue in the whole movie. Are you going to steal everything right away? Well, I, you That's s- what you were talking out to you? No, I was just saying that was a cool fact to learn. I, I thought he had a major role, was very prominent. No, that's funny because from the time, like early on, and we'll talk about scenes and lines like we always do, but there's there's the scene where he goes to the town hall meeting and he tells everybody that he's going to play, and you had barely heard him say anything before that. And I, it struck me that, again, going to the visual nature, thinking about this whole thing, and I've got a note in my stuff someplace, that from the time he says he's going to play at that town hall meeting, I think the next time he says anything is in the state championship I'll make the game, shot. I'll make it. Yep. And that that was, is it. And those were his four lines. Three were during the, when the um, Gene Hackman keeps his job, and the fourth is I'll make it. So he didn't say anything at all when they're outside, when Gene is talking to him, when he's outside in the outside hoop and he's he's shooting? Nope, and it's kind of funny because I read that that scene they did in one take. Yeah. And he was just shooting. And he made one shot, so then they just kept rolling with it. And if you paid, I guess it's kind of a weird fact, but in the movie, he only misses three shots the entire film. Apparently, they reuse a few shots. Yeah, I could see one of them. I read some of the, just some of the, a couple of the inconsistencies where they reused, I think it was a layup or something that he made. But of course, Hoosiers, for those who might not be in the know, like you, before watching mm-hmm. this movie, Based on the true story of a small-town Indiana team that made the state finals in 1954. Now, they set this one in 1952, but it's, it's based on it. This, and I'm not going to get into inconsistencies and things like this because I think, I think they, they made like that difference, for example, and they changed the name of a lot of the, of the teams so people don't get hung up on all those little details. The, the only, Unlike Rudy, where these guys collaborate. The only detail that I read and I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. It's not a complaint about the movie, and maybe it's kind of getting off the path here, but mm-hmm. that, that team in 1954, Milan, they were actually one of the favorites in the tournament. I never realized that. Even though they were the small class school. They had 122 they favorite, enrollment. Huh? The year before, they made it to the semi-state, which, again, without class basketball is very far to make. Mm-hmm. And they had all their players coming back and were actually one of the favorites to make it. Yeah, with no class basketball, I can't imagine like what the rounds had to have been. How and long they, the tournaments took. And they skipped through some of that in this. Right. That, that is, again, and I'm not going to get hung up on that, but like they went straight from regionals to state. It almost example. feels like uh, almost like the football, the way it's broken down in class because you have sectional, yeah. regional, and then you're already a there almost. Quicker. Yeah. yeah, that's very but, true. Um, so I just thought that was interesting that the, the biggest underdog story that everybody talks about for class basketball, the team was actually one of the favorites to make it anyway. Hmm. I, I guess I had never heard that. And if you drive from Indianapolis to Cincinnati, you can get off on the exit and go see Milan. Go it's see still there. The Milan miracle happened. See, but it wasn't really a miracle. No, nope, it wasn't because I didn't realize. Again, but it, so in real life, the Milan Indians beat the Muncie Central Bears. Milan won 32-30. to 30. The 54 Milan Indians, the head coach was Marvin Wood, who in Indiana 
because of that. I wonder if he would be so legendary not if a not chance. for this movie. Well, I think he'd still be a name, but probably not as well known because yeah. this makes you look up that. He actually ended his career coaching the St. Mary's College basketball team here in South Bend, Indiana, where, we're, where we are located. And also, South Bend is referenced in this movie because the team they beat in the championship. South Bend Central. They changed which, it from Muncie Central to South Bend Central. I actually looked it up because South Bend Central was a real high school right. that at one point was coached by John Wooden. Exactly. That's where you got to start. You did your research. I yeah. like that. And so Hoosiers, of course, it's a tale of redemption on multiple levels, starting with the head coach, Norman Dale, who shows up. He Woody Hayes' his previous job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's one thing I didn't get. So he he was coaching college at Ithaca College, uh-huh. late 40s, right after World War II, essentially. It would have had to have been. Right. Well, even, they, but even during World War be, II. Yeah, they, yeah. But then he was gone he ends for 12 up, years, yeah. But then he ends up in the Navy mm-hmm. for, for a few years after that. He was a little bit old to be joining the Navy at that point, wouldn't you say? <laughs> so you say they should have left that part out. I think they were just trying to make him be a more relatable character to that community because he wasn't fitting in. Yeah. Um, Don't get lost in the weeds. Okay. So you were born and raised in Indiana. Was. Bobby. That's correct. You're a big sports fan, big basketball fan for that matter. So tell us how it is that you have never seen Hoosiers before this. Well, again, the movie came out one year after I was born. so Not an excuse. Okay. A lot of people have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure. There's so many movies. Don't you have like a list of movies you'd like to see, but you haven't? No. No. you See, maybe I just have more of a life than you. <laughs> maybe so maybe, that's it. Maybe I'm too busy if you, if with you my... Have, if you haven't noticed, I watch a lot of movies. I know. I've stopped looking up some of the stuff because I'm like, oh, Sean, I don't know that. I don't even have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. But no, I don't. It's always been one I wanted to watch. I was excited. Like same thing with Slapshot. I've heard a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Just never watched it. This one I was excited to watch. We were both more disappointed than in Slapshot than we thought we would be. So mm-hmm. just a, a general, some general thoughts on this. Seeing it for the first time because I know that especially if something gets built up way too mm-hmm. much, you're going to find reasons and, to counter with everything. And I almost wonder if that's why I put it off. Yeah. Because it's like oh, and like my uh, my cousin Chad loves this movie. He's obsessed with it. Always makes references and stuff. and But, but when we were talking about doing it, I, it's not like I set it up, oh, Hoosiers is the greatest movie ever. You've got to right. see it. I, I didn't set it up with that. I don't know if other people. Yeah, my have. cousin has. Okay. But, um, so I watched this. I loved it. I thought it was a terrific movie. I think it's probably my top three favorite sports movies. No kidding. I know you always ask me that at I'm the end. I'm proud of you, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done. All right. <laughs> no. We're out. Uh, I was really surprised with how much I enjoyed it. And I, none of, like, um, it was kind of like Rocky in the sense that the, there's not a lot of time stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, maybe there was, like, a little bit of, like, weird things that wouldn't happen nowadays. Like, uh, Dennis Hopper shows up at the coach's house that one night and just walks, like, that wouldn't happen nowadays. But there was, but most of the stuff was, like, it held up well. I think it, the story is phenomenal. I like the way that they have different layers of everything. The mm-hmm. coach trying to, like, fit in. The team trying to win, not having Jimmy, Jimmy coming back, the teacher, the principal, whatever she was. There's I think she a, was just a teacher, Myra, bar, the Barbara Hershey She character. says at one point, as the acting principal, I have to let you know oh, that we're, we're doing a vote on Saturday to see if you should stay. See, for some reason, I thought the guy at the beginning who hired I did him too. was the principal. I wonder if he was I the athletic director. That. Maybe that was it. Do they have those back then? I mean, Whatever. But so she said she was acting that, principal. At such a small school, you would think that... A lot of people have a lot of different roles. Right. And I uh, have it written down somewhere that one thing that bugged me was that the love story seemed kind of random in the movie, almost like contrived. And apparently and there, 
Apparently, right. there's some deleted scenes. Exactly. Because the original cut was closer to three hours, and there were some other scenes where they developed the love story between Hackman and Hershey, and they ended up getting rid of that. And, of course, the director wasn't very happy with it. He said the audience really got cheated and robbed. I don't know about that. I think it was fine. I think it was fine. Now, maybe... Because two hours is about my limit of yeah, attention, and it might have been agree. a little bit different back then. But I think it was fine. But even I just I just feel like the age difference between the two, like uh, it was just too, it, and maybe it got explained a little bit better in the stuff that they cut. But I just I, I wasn't there for it myself. I, I was there for the basketball. They almost could have just done without it. If they're going to cut yeah. down to this, they could have just cut that all out. And this is sort of the opposite of what we've talked about with the relationships. And again, they had to cut part of this out. Sure, but the, but the the in this case, she's the antagonist to Normandale because she doesn't want Jimmy Chitwood to play because she wants him to get out of this small town and and that line of thinking. But that relationship, that's really one of the key relationships in the entire movie is the antagonistic relationship. And then, of course, she ultimately comes around and sees a little bit more eye to eye with Gene Hackman by the end. Yeah. Gene Hackman almost seemed... Again, I love the movie. Probably top three favorite sports movie for mm-hmm. me. But he almost seemed inconsistent in the movie. Sometimes he was a jerk, it seemed like. Sometimes he was nice. Sometimes he was rough. But that's just, being a coach, too. Just you've got, you've like got to wear was, different hats, different days. Things I, are going to strike you a little bit differently. Yeah, I guess. He he did warm up as the movie w- went on. Right. So just like the, the thing where early on, uh, one of the first games where the players are trying to get him to, to kind of do – one thing, and he's like, "Shut up! Did I ask you? You know." And then by mm. the end, coach, if we do this, we can we can take this guy out of it, and he's actually willing to listen to the team a little bit more. One thing that I, or even the last shot, yeah, because he drew up a different play. Yeah, to use that's Jimmy exactly as a, right. I'll make it. You know, uh, again, I never saw this movie. I knew about Jimmy Chitwood. I knew there was a drunk in the movie, Dennis and Hopper. I thought that that was Jimmy Chitwood's dad, and that's why Jimmy didn't want to play or something. Yeah, because he was dealing with that. So that. That surprised me a little bit. And that's one thing I never have really been able to figure out and watching it again, why, other than the Myra, the teacher, principal, Barbara Hershey influence, why did he not want to play and what ultimately made him decide that he did want to play? Well, I think is he. I mean, did he have a little Bobby Hensley in him? Because now all of a sudden the townspeople are against Coach Dale, and he's like, "Well, now that everybody's against Coach Dale, I really want to play for this guy." For this one guy that had a I conversation can see that being with you out there, because <laughs> he had one conversation with the coach that yeah. he didn't even say anything. I know, or he just looked at him ago. And kept yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, well, they say in the movie that if he played basketball, his whole is the peak of his life was going to be this, and yeah. he would never grow to anything more. Yeah. So if he stopped basketball, focused on his education, focused on going somewhere for educational purposes, he had a chance to be more later in life. Was her how she sold it to him? Yeah. I don't know what changed his mind if that's really what he believed, because why would you sit out? And I know he's the best player, but shouldn't he have had to like pay some penance to get into the team? I thought about that as well. Because he it's kicked just off like, the other you, two. Especially... Norman Dale being that mm-hmm. kind of guy. Because, like, when I was in high school playing football, if you missed any of two-a-days for whatever reason, and then say, say like, you missed two, two practices. Mm-hmm. Well, the next practice you showed up, before you were allowed to do anything, you had to make up all the conditioning that everybody else was doing in those practices right. that you were gone. Norman Dale made Jimmy Chitwood pay no penance yep. for missing and any now he's starting of, right part away. of the season. Yeah. Not, not just practices, he missed part and of the season. 
wouldn't the coach be pissed? Because he almost lost his job, was going to lose his job. Yeah. I guess maybe he saved his job because he did decide to play. Mm-hmm. But he was in an 0-6 or whatever. I don't even know how many games, but because he didn't play. Yeah. So I. That's a good point. That, that's one of the things that bugs out how we got on that. So this is a movie. Gene Hackman and Barbara Hershey were the two most recognized. Well, D- Dennis Hopper, I guess, as well. You had three pretty recognizable people. People. Hackman, Coach Norman Dale, Barbara Hershey, the Myra Fleener, disapproving ten- teacher administrator, and then Dennis Hopper plays Shooter, the drunk dad who becomes an assistant coach at one time. And then on the, on the fringe of that is Chelsea Ross, who, by the way, played Dan Devine in Rudy, and he was also in Major League. He was the old pitcher with the, the uh, spitters and the, mm-hmm. the Vaseline and all that kind yeah. of good stuff. So those are the recognizable people. But all the players, now this is where the authenticity of Hoosiers is out at the front because the players were essentially nobodies. nobodies. They auditioned and they got their parts in this movie predominantly, maybe even not predominantly, almost exclusively for the basketball skills. This so this this to me is a lot makes Hoosiers a lot more like Friday Night Lights. I knew that. For I example. thought that's what you were going to tie into. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean that in a good yeah. way. The, but, um, yeah, those players, they like Jimmy Chitwood. I, I heard that name my whole life. I thought it was some actor. No, that was just a high school or a college basketball player yeah. in Indiana. And so less than a year ago, I interviewed Steve Holler. Steve Holler is the guy who played Raid Butcher. And Steve Holler is from Warsaw, Indiana. He actually helped Warsaw win a 1984 state championship, and that was single-class basketball mm-hmm. at that point. And so and he was a junior. Yeah, and so Steve went on to play for DePaul University. With a W. That's right, which is down outside of Indianapolis. Not DePaul, but DePaul, smaller college. And so he was going and playing for – he was on the DePaul basketball team at the time. And then one of the teammates, one of his teammates, hears about this basketball tryout going on for this movie. And the older teammate did not have a car, so he gets Steve Holler to drive him to Indianapolis for this for this tryout for this movie. And I guess the the ad was in the Indianapolis Star because obviously this is pre internet and no everything Twitter. else. Yeah. yeah, no Twitter, none of this different stuff. So there, there's an ad in the Indianapolis Star, basically, and the thing that they wanted most were basketball players. So you had to show up and, and audition. So apparently Indianapolis, Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York were where they had all these tryouts. And what Steve Holler told me was over a 1,000 people at the Indianapolis thing alone tried out, and they start whittling it down, 20-plus tryouts that he went through. And so the guy who was a member of Plymouth, he played with Scott Skiles at Plymouth, and he was well-known in this state for his basketball he didn't make the cut. But Steve Holler did. But Steve Holler did, and he becomes Raid. And, of course, Raid is the guy who uh, throws the punch in that game where they, they're they calling them gorillas and all that different stuff. But So well, it, really interesting, everything about this was about the, the ability to play basketball and the look that they had. Because ultimately, with the exception of Ollie, just about everybody on the, uh, the Hoosiers, the Hickory team, looked the same. And even Ali, I says the hardest part he had with the movie is that he was actually a really good basketball player. Yeah, he so, was, and he was in high school still playing basketball for right. somebody. So they, he had to like 
dumb down his game to be able to and also his uh real life sister is the one of the cheerleaders they keep cutting to right. in the championship game. Right. Um Steve Holler, he was at DePaul and the NCAA uh, wanted to penalize him for getting paid to play basketball for for money. And this is an NCAA Division three school, by the way. It's not a Division one or Division two. Right, but what is? It's already silly back then. Exactly. And then he ended up getting a three game suspension and to give them back five percent of his pay just Amazing. for because they finally decided he was an actor and not being pl- paid to play basketball, which yeah. is silly. Steve Holler, by the way, now is a dentist in Warsaw, and that's how. Uh, Met him last year, did an interview, and and discovered some really interesting things. Like, talking about the tryouts, anyone who showed up wearing high black socks, <laughs> they showed the door right away because they knew that they weren't going to be authentic enough for what they were looking for because black socks were starting to kind of become in back then, I guess. Yeah, well, I wrote down, like, one thing that I thought was really cool about the movie was uh, the, the Chuck Taylors. Like, in the first practice, oh, they take man. a zoomed-in shot of the Chuck Taylors. I can't imagine what your feet had to feel like. We were talking about how Rocky yeah. did his running in the Chuck Taylors. I just can't imagine what your feet felt like running around in those things. And that's almost like, that was revolutionary back then. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, the other interesting story I wanted to tell about Steve Holler, because... When you do the research for this, That's, Gene Hackman uh, was apparently he was he he and Ansbaugh, the director, butted heads quite a bit on the set. He said when he arrived, he was in a generally foul mood. Called him a black cloud. He just started complaining about everything. There were some blowups on the set, some throwing of jackets, and near fist fights. There's a that quote goes on, but you get the point. That yeah, they, they didn't get along. No, and so. What I found interesting reading that, and apparently by the the later stages of the filming, they had kind of put some of that behind him and they got along a little bit better. But what Steve Holler, again, who played Raid, told me, he's 19 years old, gets the part of Raid in this movie, and so then he meets Gene Hackman. There were eight players on the Hickory basketball team. Gene Hackman gave all eight of them private acting lessons before the filming of the movie started because he knew that that they were going to be pretty raw, obviously, because they were there because of their basketball ability. So Gene Hackman gave all of these young kids private acting lessons Which is to awesome. get them ready. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Yeah. And, I mean, he's not, as as Steve told me, I, he obviously, I think this role, which he wasn't very sure about, Gene Hackman. He's sure it was going to cr- kill his career. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he had he had had... You know, a handful of stuff Roles. in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, he's probably n- more known for Lex Luthor in the Superman movie from the early 80s, or maybe for Popeye Doyle from the 70s. But, I mean, other than that... He was know, around. These, yeah, these not. young guys really didn't know him. So I, I just thought that was a really cool story that Gene Hackman's given a bunch of teenagers acting lessons. For that is movie. pretty cool, especially because yeah. it contradicts everything else we've I've read about how he was perceived in this movie. Yeah. Um... Then uh, Dennis Hopper was another big name, but he uh, – I thought one thing that was interesting is that scene where he stumbles on the court drunk. Uh-huh. He said to give a 10-second notice before they started, so he started spinning in circles. So he could look more drunk. So he could look more drunk when he walked on the court. And apparently he had, he had worked with James Dean back in the day, and mm-hmm. James Dean did something similar where he spun around for 30 seconds yeah. in a movie. So Dennis Hopper narrowed it down to 10. <laughs> he yeah. started spinning. He's a quick study. Drunk. Yeah. And then it's also interesting, I guess, the scene where his son visits him in rehab. 
Mm-hmm. The original script had him leaving the hospital to go to the game. But in real life, uh, Dennis Hopper just becomes sober right before the filming of this movie. Yeah. And he said, if you're going to take your sobriety seriously, you wouldn't be leaving rehab to go to a basketball game. Right. So I thought that, And I thought that was an intense scene in the movie anyway. Yeah. Now, we typically ask what we noticed watching it that we didn't remember. Obviously, that does not apply to you. For me, there, there mm-hmm. wasn't a ton, but I, would, I guess I would just say that I was paying more attention to the Raid character because of the fact that yeah. I had interviewed yeah. Steve Holler and just more of the things that he did. And, and I think really, after Jimmy Chitwood... He's one of the one or two, you know. Yeah, I think the player, bigger players, the player that he uh, throws the punch, and I think right. that's the big thing. But Shooter's son probably yeah, next in line, him. yeah, just because of Shooter. But they did a nice job of not necessarily giving them all stories, but then that one kid that just prayed all the time, right? They gave Ollie the role of being the little runt. They yeah. like they, they had all a nice had, dynamic, like, their own little yeah idiosyncrasy. And that's what I, mean, I know it's a movie, but that's what you get in a lot of good teams in sports or a random collection where they all fill different voids yeah and then that's how they come together as an underdog to be able to beat a bigger team very true you want to do favorite lines sure i'll start with when norman first meets whoever that guy was (laughs) whether it was the principal at the at the start when he walks in in my experience no one's irreplaceable yeah i mean kind of the essence of sports and they were talking about trying to get jimmy chipwood to play and whether or not he would, and I mean that's got to be a coach's attitude. Well, he wasn't. Re- yeah, yeah. When you think about it, no one can be can be irreplaceable. Or what good is the coach? <laughs> so some of my lines weren't necessarily like enjoyable. Yeah, and, and this is this is a they weren't funny quips. Yeah, they were again, almost like intense, different like, kind of movie. Yes, I agree. Kind of like Rocky, right? Obviously, I mean it's it's definitely not some of the comedies that we've done where you've got like even Jerry Maguire, where it was just like singers. And and you think about the pacing of Jerry Maguire and just the the sharpness of the dialogue compared to this, just a big contrast. Both really. great. No, yeah, but great yeah. in their own ways, but but done a lot different. So one thing on this that um, set the tone for me almost early is at the very first practice. Um, they're like, well, when do we get to shoot or whatever? And he goes, my practices aren't made for your enjoyment. <laughs> I've got that on my yep. I've got that on my list here someplace. You're on. You're in my army every day from three to five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those different yeah. things. And then Norman to George, the Chelsea Ross, the the the, the older guy who's been there and he's been kind of working the team and having them practice while they were looking for the coach. Yeah, and uh, so. So Norman Dale shows up at his first own practice, and there's this other guy already running things when he walks in, and and Hackman tells him, let's be really friendly here. My name is Norm. Secondly, your coaching days are over. It will. He's into it real slowly. Hell, our first game's less than two weeks away. Well, first of all, let's be real friendly here, okay? My name is Norm. Secondly, your coaching days are over. Look, mister, there's two kinds of dumb. A guy that gets naked and runs out in the snow and barks at the moon and uh, guy who does the same thing in my living room uh, first one don't matter the second one you kind of forced to deal with translate that's some sort of threat i don't know why cletus drug your tired old bones in here he must owe you something fierce fact is mister you start screwing up this team I'll personally hide strap your ass to a pine rail and send you up the Mona online. Leave the ball, will you, George? Yeah, that one was funny. Yeah. <laughs> a little intense. Um, I, after his first ejection, 
he uh, after he had Shooter as the assistant, he said, Shooter's going to take you home, now pay attention. Uh-huh. I thought that was a pretty cool line because it's showing that he's trusting him, even though Shooter was obviously not confident in himself. And then another line tied off of that is when um, it's like, just promise me you're never going to get ejected again. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I Shooter won't. Tells him. Scout's honor. Scout's he's honor. like, Scout, Scout's honor, yeah. And then another line uh, after he gets knocked out of the game was, oops, I did it again. <laughs> As he leaves the court. <laughs> no Britney Spears back then, no. unfortunately. No. Um, when we, He won't put Raid back in the game. So he, he pulls Raid mm-hmm. because he's got the four-pass rule. You're supposed to shoot four times, or you're supposed to pass four times before you shoot each trip down the floor. But Raid decides uh, enough with this four-pass stuff. So he starts shooting, and he starts making it. Mm-hmm. And so he pulls Raid, and then... Uh, when the other kid fouls out and he's he's down to four players, everyone assumes he's going to put Raid back in, and he just says, "My team's on the floor." Yeah, I think, and the referee's like, "All right, coach." Yeah, I wrote that down as my favorite scene. So that what, whole thing was great. What do you think about the four pass rule? A little bit much. I'm sure back then, especially, uh, there were a lot of coaches who were like that. Two things on that. One, when Jimmy Chitwood joins the team, do they still have to do four passes? I don't remember four passes yeah. being emphasized quite as much. And two, I believe I I understand the thought of it. And this is kind of getting an X and O's. If you have four passes, the odds of you dissecting the court or finding a lane or something are high. Mm-hmm. But if you're just literally standing next to a guy and passing it back and forth to get to four, and then you then you go to your offense and you still throw up the same shot, what's the point? Yeah. So if you can get four passes, or, and you see that today. Work, break down the defense, yeah. motion. Yeah. It, it's kind of the same thing in hockey. You see him pass the puck around, waiting to find a angle. But I don't like the idea of it just to – but it also I do like it. Because that's the coach instilling what he wants and showing that it's his team. Yeah. So you could argue that. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead. Um, this the, I mean, it's a great scene. I think I wrote down the whole scene, but specifically when Shooter does take over the team and he's designing the last play of the game, and he says, say. "Don't don't get caught watching the paint dry." Don't get caught watching the paint dry. All right, now listen to me. All right, this is the last shot that we got. All right. We're going to run the picket fence at him. Merle, you're the swing man. Jimmy, you're solo right. All right, Merle should be open swinging around the end of that fence. Now, boys, don't get caught watching the paint dry. And apparently that was an ad lib. Really? From, from Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Because I've heard that line before. I didn't know it was from this movie. That's what it was from. Yep. Yep. I, I had that on my list, but uh, another great one there. At the, the uh, at the town meeting, Norm says I was hired to teach the boys the game of basketball. I apologize for nothing. Right. And, I mean, really, what did he have to apologize for at that point? Had he done – I mean, I realize he was going against the grain and not really doing things the way that some of the town folk wanted, but had he done anything so egregious that they should have been calling him in and having a referendum midseason? Do you think that that, that scene was just a catalyst to get Jimmy Chitwood to come back? I understand that. Mm-hmm. Could they have done that in a different way that would have made the movie better? Because I think that they, whole getting rid of the coach, I could have done without that. I mean, they, they played up that stuff quite a bit, and we'll get to that in scenes here in a little bit. They they played it up quite a bit. and and, and So I think it plays into his redemption a little bit. How Myra was able to go to the library and find that newspaper yeah. article about him, I doubt, in 1952. Plus, I mean, that, that might have taken her the entire basketball season to find. Because you're in, you're in small town Indiana, and that's happening no. in Ithaca, New York. So I, 
I really doubt how. Even if you're going to let all of that go, all of that, which is a lot. She gets this article about how he punched a player. Yeah. And she's going to, she and she wasn't a fan of him yet. Yeah. I mean, that's where she changed her mind. Why wouldn't you put let everybody know that that had happened? Mm-hmm. Seemed like that would be on your record. Because wouldn't you, I don't know. Different times. I'll let uh, it yeah, go. Yeah, I mean. But wouldn't it be on, it, like, you have a prison record? or Prison record? Well, he well, didn't go to prison. <laughs> is that assault if you punch a player? Well, it was, I, I think he just got fired. Yeah, I mean, it's assault, but I. I <laughs> anyway. Bob like Knight it, didn't go to jail. Let's put it that way. True. Okay. It's but, a lot more modern times than we had video proof. Yeah, that's true, I guess. But it just seems like that it would have come up in a different yeah. way. Or why even have that little quip? Just say he's trying to reinvent himself and leave it a mystery. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know he punched a player. Yeah. Cause it we, makes me not like him. When Norman tells the official he's trying to get kicked out, kick me out or I'll start screaming like a mad fool. Yeah, that, that was funny. He was setting it up so that Shooter would have to be in charge again. I like the line, was it the championship game or the regional, where he goes, stick on him like chewing gum by the end of the game. I want to know what flavor it is. That was next on my list. I know. That's why I jumped in. He's telling the player that. Yeah. Shooter in the hospital. No school this small is. No school this small has ever been in the state championship game. Very emphatically. Right. After the son comes and visits him and he tells him he loves him. When the player's praying before he goes in and he looks at him and goes, God wants you on the floor. (laughs) Because he kept praying every time they had to go do something. Yeah. Well, and then the prayer before the state championship game where. Uh, the priest David took out the stone and slung it and hit the Philistine who fell to the ground. It just and I, I mean, it's David one that Goliath, we've heard. Yep. Yeah, David and Goliath, obviously, but it was a nice touch. I thought. Yep. And, and then, then I was gonna say then when he said, uh, "I want to win it for all the small schools out there." I thought yep. that was a pretty cool little scene. Yep. Little line. Yeah, everyone had their own. Yeah. Reason for wanting to win, which again was a good touch. And then, I mean, line of the movie. I'll, I'll make, make it. it. <laughs> I don't like when right. we're on the same uh, page. It's not us. <laughs> I mean, but it's got to be. That was the last one I had written down. And it was, it, it, I, I can't remember if I've got that in scenes or not, but it, just it's, a good, the final huddle, drawing it up. They're going to use Jimmy and the as way a they, decoy. The way they use silence, because like, yeah. he said the whole play and all the players looked at him. He you kept get going, all the, the looks yep. on the, and everyone kind of stands up and they've got this disgusted look on their face. And he kept and saying, Jimmy what? Jimmy says, what? I'll make it. Mm-hmm. All right, lift it up, lift it up. Here's what we're going to do. Jimmy, they're going to be expecting you to take the last shot. We're going to use you as a decoy. Buddy, you get the ball. Give it to Merle on the picket fence. He's going to take the last shot. All right, let's go. What's the matter with you guys? What's the matter with you? I'll make it. That's good. Boom. Yeah. All right. You ready to go to scenes? Yeah, I can do scenes. Uh, what uh, the one that I've got when all the men show up at practice That's to great. tell Norman how to do things, but then so that there's like this lynch mob there, and then from the back of the pack comes the the biggest guy out of the pack, one of the dads. Uh, he brings the kid in. And tells him to apologize to get him back on the team. And then says, I got this, and yeah. shoes him all out of the gym. Yep. Yeah, that was a good scene. What about the other kid? Did he ever come back, or just the one? I think it was just the one. Okay. Yeah, I think the one where they're talking, and I think I've got that on my list here someplace, too. Yeah, they're, the kid keeps talking, and 
Yeah. He eventually gets kicked out of practice. Yeah. Um, I like the scene where he goes to watch Jimmy shoot hoops in the backyard. It just reminded yeah, me. Yeah, I've got of like, that too. Just rem- old school. Reminded me of my youth because I, I had a hoop in the driveway and I would mm-hmm. just play for hours out there shooting around. Yep. And Norman tells him, I don't care if you play or not. Yeah. <laughs> and then Myra's watching up in the window and, and Norman Dale walks off after he tells him, I don't care if you play. But again, no no dialogue. Nothing nope. uh, Jimmy from Chitwood. Jimmy Chitwood that whole Which, thing. He's just shooting. And he, he was just concentrating on hitting those baskets, I guess, the some, actor. Sometimes less is more. It is. If he had talked and been terrible at it, he could have ruined the movie. It's He's true one too. of the key characters. But then when, when Norman goes inside with Myra, she tells him, I don't want this to be the best days of his life. I've seen them, the real sad ones. They talk about the glory days mm-hmm. when they were 17. And then Norman says, most people would kill to be treated like a god for a few minutes. And then she replies, the gods are gods come to, pretty cheap these yeah, days. Yeah, gods come pretty cheap these Just days. a really good scene. But, and, and this kind of goes back to some other themes in other movies that we've talked about, like going back to Friday Night Lights about the kids and how they are over-glorified, and, and for a lot of them, they are the best days of their lives. I, I, and I, I still don't get... Go ahead. I, say, I found that scene pretty refreshing because they were definitely coming from different sides, mm-hmm. different perspectives. They wanted completely different things for Jimmy, for themselves, for who knows right. what agendas they both had. But the way that they like respectfully were discussing it and not like that's yelling true. at each other or trying to underhand the other, they just were both saying what they thought. Yeah. I think that's really refreshing dialogue. Yeah, it wasn't... Because, again, this this is the character that Gene Hackman is playing, the gruff basketball coach, and a guy who has been fired for assaulting a player. It's not like he's 99, 100 miles an hour all the time. He has different layers right. to who he is, his personality. He, he might be one person in this moment, but he's a different person in this other moment. I don't get, though, I don't, I don't get... I mean, I, I get for the purpose of the movie why that character had to be there in the argument that she was trying to make. But, like, if you're looking at it literally, the two things are not mutually exclusive. It's not like I know. you you right. can't play basketball and you, it almost you should only like an study. Because they're saying, basically, if you play basketball, you don't have enough time to do your studies. Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of kids have... Have Both. used have used the studies to get to, to give them motivation yeah. so that they can play. Yeah, like if they didn't have the sports, they probably wouldn't have been as good as students. I don't. I don't. Or they get it, to go to college when they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, exactly. But she was worried that again he was going to be held up as a god and he would be the small town god. And I mean, ultimately, he was. Who knows when it was all said and yeah. done? Didn't Jibby Chitwood actually get out of Hickory and go on and do something else? Yeah, it almost would have been cool at the end of the movie if they had done like the fake credits. Like mm-hmm. Jimmy Chitwood would go on to be a lawyer in New York or something. <laughs> you know, or that like, might have been too much for this one. Yeah, but they, um, I don't know. I so you think we could have gone without the coach being f- the the fired and Jimmy joining the team? Like he could have just been on the team the whole time. It would have been fine. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just I'm just saying I don't get her argument. I about- think. Well, I do. I think it would have been a great movie with him. Joining the team. Just joining the team. But then but maybe, then what happens? It's just... Maybe at first practice, when the other two walk out, is when he walks on. Yeah. Something like that. And it's still a dramatic moment. But I think, and you understand that there's conflict, because that's what makes a good movie, is conflict. I think they had to show the small-town clickish, clickishness, and especially back then, pre-internet, pre-everything, really. I mean, you've barely got TVs in homes. Most people are still relying on radios as their sole, sole source... Radios and local mm-hmm. newspapers, your, your sole source of information. So 
I, I think they needed to show that because here's this outsider coming in, you know, oh, where, where'd they find this guy? And now he's trying to change everything about what we're about. I, I understand. I think they needed it. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I don't know. I just think they could have gone about it a different way. But it, it establishes that. And it bugs me. The last thing about it, and I, I again, I, I love the movie, but at the end of that scene when he becomes the coach again, they just do the eyes and then nays mm-hmm. audibly, and he obviously gets to stay. After Every, Jimmy Chitwood walks right. in in the middle and says that. I'm only playing for him. Yeah. Essentially. But yeah, the, I thought the, I had it written down somewhere. They all but. just start clapping and cheering and high-fiving him and glad-handing him. Right. You just voted him out. Everything's about Jimmy. Yeah, but now, now that Jimmy's here. But that's, but that's again, So I said this earlier. Why was Jimmy so tied to Coach Dale? What I would have liked to know, there, there could have been a little bit more, since right. it was a two-hour movie and he was one of the central characters, there could have been more character development, like, what ultimately made Jimmy decide that Norman Dale was the guy he needed to, to stand up for and play for? Yeah. I guess we should. Why was Norman Dale his ride or die? I guess, yeah, <laughs> I'm just focusing a little too much on that little wrinkle of the movie. But the rest of it was great. Yeah. Another scene I like is, and we haven't even talked about this dynamic yet, but the him asking Shooter to become the assistant coach. I thought that was a powerful scene. He's like, you got to be sober. You got to have a tie. You got to have whatever. Yeah. But then. He had faith in him. For really, for no reason other for than I, no reason at all. I think I second think, chances. I think the only reason is yeah. I mean, again, it's another part of the redemption tale of this movie. I think the only reason ultimately was to try to help the son because he told Shooter straight up, "You're embarrassing your son right. with with what you're doing." And and so I think that that was and again in a, in a town this small, mm-hmm. I, I, that had to have been his basic motivation that, was, was just to try to help the son. And then, um, and it ultimately helped heal the relationship. And then that scene where because the son tells him, "Remember, I'm right. not seeing this." Right. Yeah. And <laughs> then he was right for my dad. But then I'm he ended up being this. right. Too. Yeah, because he showed up drunk again. But then uh, I'll just go quick through. I have a few of um, the shooter where he gets to ask the assistant. Obviously, the scene where he draws the play to win the game. Yeah. Defense and offense, and then um, when his son visits him in the hospital before the state game, and yeah. they're getting along. He talks about buying a house with him. I thought that was all neat, good stuff, mm-hmm. good scenes. They used a lot of montages to get through the sectional, the regional, and even some of the other games. And I thought that they were well done for the most part. You got a lot of real close-up stuff, it seemed like. But, I, again, there were there were some inconsistencies where they doubled up a couple of shots, yeah. I guess. But at the same time, I thought it was you – could, you could tell that they were using real basketball players. And right. that was why they made the team because they were fundamentally pretty good players. Even the way they shot looked older. Yeah, it did, I, didn't it? But that's good. Just that pure yeah, shot that, by Jimmy yeah. Chitwood um, <laughs> with one elbow the, at 90 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> one of the scenes I loved is when he takes a tape measure out when they get to the Hinkle Fieldhouse. That was, that's really my final one. They called it Butler Fieldhouse, but of course it well, was Hinkle was Fieldhouse. Was it Butler back it then? It was Butler Okay, back I then. didn't realize that. Uh, but he gets out the tape measure, measures 15 feet from the backboard of the free throw line and then 10 feet from the floor to the rim. I think you'll find that that uh, it, it, they're the exact measurements as our gym back in Hickory. Yeah. Great scene. Great. The, it, it was weird to me. Here's something that bugged me. They didn't measure out to the three-point line there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this is I'm also— I'm obviously kidding. This is also weird. You didn't have any of these characters running around talking about how much heart they had and, and how much you know they needed to be on the team and all yeah. that kind of good stuff. No. For, um, for anybody not listening, there I also, was no three-point line back then. Right. That's why. Final scene, it's years later, you've got the kid out shooting 
on the on the court in the gym at Hickory, and I, it was just a really cool scene as they finished thing because you hear the echoes of Coach Dale, you see the picture of the championship team on the wall in the year, and then you hear Coach I, Dale's voice, I love you guys. I wrote like, that down too. I just recently went back to my high school for the first time in a long time and, and went through some of the old gyms where we played and practiced. And, and like you can kind of just like standing in those – Gyms and you sit there and it's like you can kind of hear some of the you know some of that those kind of echoes of the past. So I thought it was a really cool scene and I guess the uh, the kid who was actually shooting the hoops wasn't getting paid anything for doing that. And Gene Hackman at the end took out a twenty dollar bill to that little kid and gave it to the kid. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I wrote that. I wrote the winning shot and then into that with the picture that they mm-hmm. zoom into is a great way to end it. Yep. Um, I also. The thing that bugged me, the only thing, why didn't the players stand up for the coach when he was getting fired? Did they not like him? Maybe they didn't. The, okay, then that's fair. I just, I mean, I felt like they had all started to get along or gel together at that point, but maybe they didn't. Yeah, I guess, you know, you really don't know because what's tough about that, they may have sort of believed in some of what he was doing, even though you did have the conflict with Raid and the four passes yeah. and, and some of that different stuff but ultimately they weren't winning at that point so True. it's it's hard to keep getting buy-in from the kids if you're not winning the games but in hickory indiana who else you can get to coach in the middle of the season that i guess well Dan they could have got chelsea ross yeah, Dan Dan would have been there <laughs> yeah, that's right he's always there he could have done a, as good a job but he jimmy chitwood he went 15 everything. and 10 last yeah. year but couldn't you argue that that uh Dan Devine, Chelsea Ross, George, whatever you want to yeah, call right, him. Yeah. Once Jimmy Chitwood joined the team, that anyone could have coached that team to the championship. Especially since Hackman was out of half the games. Yeah. Norman Dale. Exactly. Um, so, did you read the Jack Nicholson thing? I they, did. They wanted him to, I want to touch on that real quick, he, that he was going to play, but he was <laughs> This is the casting part that we talk but about. But he was a course. witness in a lawsuit, which was going to sideline him for six months. So he told producers if they could wait, he'd do it, but they couldn't, so they went with Hackman. Could you have imagined Jack Nicholson playing Gene Hackman's role instead? No. Because I, I think it just becomes too much about Gene Hackman, or not, uh, Jack Nicholson yeah, at that point. I agree. I don't think, because he, he was a mega star at that point. He was yeah. established, but I don't think that they, plus they were already on a budget. There's no way they could have paid him. And, and I just, I couldn't have seen him as a coach for that matter. Yeah. I don't know that Gene Hackman necessarily he, saw himself as a coach at this point. Well, Jack, but. Jack Nicholson would have played the drunk, maybe. Yeah, I could true. see him playing that. Did you could, could you see what I was talking about when we talked about the replacements? I mean, this is essentially Gene Hackman the same just being Norman Dale yeah. in a movie about Fo- football replacement players. Well, then they should have named Norman Dale and not replacements. I mean, can you see it? Now, now it would be... Oh, It'd be interesting if we had done these movies in a flipped order, because mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have been able to take Hackman and uh, replacements. <laughs> now you see where I'm coming from. Yeah, other than that, I mean, really, because again, because all the players were cast to be basketball players, none of them are going to be replaced by actors. I, I I really have no problem with any of the other characters in it. Do you remember? And uh, did you see the scene where they enter the Hinkle or Butler Field House for the first time? And they were getting off the bus. The guy's like, all right, here's your locker room, your practice, whatever. Yeah. The guy that was telling them that was on the Milan team. Right. 1954. Right. So that was cool that they at least let some of that onto there. Right. 
Um, this movie was ranked number four on AFI's list oh, of ten greatest films. I believe that. Let's stick with the casting stuff, though, okay. before, before you right. jump all over the place. Well, I don't know. I, we have to ask the penultimate okay. casting question, which we have just added to our list of questions that we ask every week. <laughs> now, let's, let's suspend when this movie was made. It was made in 1986. Why do we have to suspend that? So, because, well, okay, the question is, what role could, could Kevin Costner have played, or what role would Kevin Costner have played? And we ask this because Kevin Costner is Bobby's guy. No, The Rock is my guy. Other than The Rock, as yeah. far as real actors go, Kevin Costner. Oh, The Rock is not a real yes, actor. Yes, he is. Let's just not no, even... We, Okay, this is our last podcast. Do we need to make another category? What could The Rock play? Because he could play anything. Movie? He has a wide range. Come on. <laughs> okay, so let's say it's 1986. I, I Really, the only thing Kevin Costner could play is one of the players, I think, at that point, right? Well, Bull Durham came out in 88, which is only two years later. Yeah, and he's like 30-something already. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so Jimmy Chitwood? There's really no characters young enough... I don't think he's, he's in between. I don't think he's old enough to be like the Dennis Hopper shooter role. So that's why I was saying for this for this specific movie, and maybe for for some others, suspend. Like you're if you're okay. remaking I know, I got if you're you. remaking this today. I think he would Kevin be a Costner? good Jimmy Chitwood. You think he'd be a good Jimmy Chitwood back then? Sure. Well, I mean, my yeah. If you were looking to, I mean, really four lines. Anybody as long as you had a nice looking jump shot, anybody and, could do it, right? Yeah. Even at thirty, no. I was going to say, that's part of what you liked about this movie, I think probably, he's 31, 32 all the even. kids in this You said to suspend that, so I suspended it. No, that's what I'm saying. Not suspend his age, just like if you're going to make it today, what role is Kevin Costner going to make? Obviously the coach. So he'd be Norman Dale? Yeah. Is he, is he gruff enough to be that guy? Mm. Yeah, well, I don't know. It would change the whole dynamic. It's kind of like, what, what movie was it? See, I don't think he could even be Shooter, because I just don't think he's... That no. kind of guy, because that would be as as far as age. I don't know. He, you know, could he got could, drunk and threw a perfect game and for love of the game? So <laughs> he could be he could be like the George character where he's the jerk and running practice. Yeah, or he could be the sheriff or like you could develop one of the other characters a little bit more. He could be the the guy who hired Norman Dale or like one of the guys from the town that didn't want him there. Yeah, you know? just develop something. I yeah. I don't think that as far as it's not a nice even clean fit. Because he's, cause he's a swap out. He's either got to be Norman Dale or he's got to be Shooter if you're doing it today. And I just don't think that he is in that mold. Enough, right. That he would be. I, I just don't think Kevin Costner could be that guy. Nah. But at the same time, you need a star like The Rock who's going to be. <laughs> right. Sorry, Dwayne Johnson. Anything that any other casting changes? No, I don't really think so. I think Gene Hackman. This is probably his best role ever, you think? For me, it is. Ends up being one of the most iconic roles that he's ever done. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe known for this as much as anything. Without even seeing anything. this movie, I knew him from this. Popeye Doyle is the only other character that that I can, other than Lex Luger, but, or Lex Luthor, but I don't really tie him to Lex Luthor. No. No, so I'd uh, say. I thought he was kind of a goofball in that. I thought role. it was well casted. Even the yeah. teacher, she played her part well. Hershey, yeah, and I and again I don't I don't think that you know you need to get into recasting that I think Barbara Hershey did a good job yeah. she did what she was supposed to and do she had some hits back then so mm-hmm. it wasn't like she was a complete nobody yeah but yeah anything that bugs you about it just the things I mentioned already nothing really I thought it was a real easy watch thought it was a good movie yeah I'm happy I watched it finally 
the only the only thing that I have minor thing was at the beginning they say there are sixty four boys in the whole school, and then when they're introducing Hickory, they they do the enrollments. It was like South Bend Central enrollment twenty eight hundred, uh, Hickory enrollment sixty four. So they said sixty four boys at the beginning. Did and they? Then they said enrollment sixty four for the whole school. And you're positive that end. you didn't misunderstand that? No, nope. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a jerk because I actually I heard the number sixty four twice. Because I actually twice. researching, okay. there was some some literal stuff that w- w- this was explained where you could explain them saying that because apparently because it was boys basketball the enrollment number that they go on <laughs> is how many That's boys That's not what they meant though because there's no way that yeah. other school had 2000 some boys. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I I understand what you're saying though. No. Um there was one scene in uh, the regionals game where you kept seeing the scoreboard on the side lower it wasn't above the it was on the side on the wall. The score was like 42 to 35. The next shot down the court, it was like 17 to 12. Like, uh-huh. It was completely irrelevant. One Easter egg, when they're in the locker room before the state the championship game. The, yeah, the names on the blackboard. They have the five names up there. They are the, they're supposed to be the opposing team for South Bend Central, but they're the last names of the actors who are playing, playing. the Hickory players. So right. that was kind of a cool little, little Easter egg there. Um, and like I say, before I got cut off, <laughs> it's number four on AFI's list of top ten greatest uh, sports movies. It's number four. So that puts it on the Rushmore. Best basketball movie, for sure. Absolutely. It's tough because now, I mean, just look at some of the movies that we've done. We've done Field of Dreams, Bull Durham. We've done Rocky. We haven't done Miracle yet. We're going to be doing Miracle in a few months because the the 40-year anniversary of the 1980 Olympic team is coming up in February. We'll be doing that. You've got Hoosiers. You're making us sound really organized. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the horizon. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you, so, I mean that's I that's think, tough. Like, if you're doing Mount Rushmore, it is tough. It is definitely the basketball representative. We should do a podcast just on like looking at AFI's top ten list of sports movies, maybe, and dissecting that. Yeah, and saying this is good or bad, and what each of us would come up with. That's a win. That's a loss. Yeah, we could fill an hour with that. That's my friend Sessa. That's not very good. So I know I. <laughs> I listened to the Rocky podcast. I did too many Rocky impersonations. No, you did too many Mick impersonations. No, I did too many Rockies. Yeah, you did just I Mick's. didn't do enough Mick impersonations. You did too many. I think I was better doing Mick than I was Rocky. You should just be Sean. You even be if you. Even if you said that my patches O'Houlihan and Mick sound the same, you're totally wrong on that. <laughs> I don't. They're both pretty bad. <laughs> I disagree. Um, so now we've got the addition. To the podcast. We're going to tack on something a little mm-hmm. bit different this time. I mentioned the interview with Steve Holler. Just did it earlier this year, actually. The actor who played Raid, Steve, again, is a dentist in Warsaw, Indiana. Really nice guy and uh, got some good information that uh, he said he hadn't really been asked some of the stuff that we talked about before. So there was some cool stuff, including the Hackman stuff, the tryout process, and the whole thing. Yeah, that was a good interview. I enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> That's the one compliment I'll ever get from Bobby Hensley. It's not so my fault you don't understand sarcasm. The Steve Holler interview. We will bring that to you coming up next. Two guys talking sports movies. Talk to you next time, Bobby. <laughs> That's five. Where are you going? In the game. Sit down. What do you mean? We've got to have five out there. Sit down. Sit. Coach, need one more. My team's on the floor.
Steve Holler, you're a Warsaw native. You played basketball there until the mid-'80s, helped uh, Warsaw win a state championship. Then you went on to DePaul University and played there. And it was when you were at the at DePaul that you heard about this little movie they were making. So, so tell us how that came out, how you came to be in the movie Hoosiers. Well, your, your listeners might uh, remember this and be interested uh, to, to know the backlight of this. I was recruited by Mike Steele at DePaul University, and my last two schools were actually Cornell really, and DePaul. And my mom didn't think uh, I could go that far away from home and be happy, so uh, it, it, through God's intervention, she was right, and uh, I, I wouldn't have been in the movie Hoosiers without uh, <laughs> having gone to DePaul, but I, I was recruited by Mike to replace a Division Three All-American uh, by the name of Phil Wendell, who played with Scott Skiles, of course, at Plymouth. Right. And uh, Phil was a phenomenal, phenomenal college and high school basketball player. And I uh, I don't think they ever got their money's worth out of Steve Holler, but they sure did out of <laughs> Phil Wendell. So uh, the reason I bring up Phil Wendell is, is Phil, I'm in my freshman year. I'm at DePaul not knowing my way around. And Phil was kind of assigned to me to make sure I didn't mess up. And uh, I had an old beater junker car, and for some reason, Phil didn't have a car on campus. <laughs> and we were a couple weeks into school, and, and uh, he came down, knocked on my door, and, and told me there's this movie in Indianapolis, and wanted to know, he knew I had a car, wanted to know if I'd drive he and I up to try out. And I mean, it's Phil Wendell. Yeah, I'm, I'm going, Phil. Let's go. You're doing what the upperclassman says. Right. He's my mentor. So, uh, you know, long, long story short, 20, 25 tryouts later, Phil got cut and I got the part. Oh, my goodness. So how many people do you think showed up at, the, at those first tryouts? Well, it's, it's really funny because the advertisement, you know, this is pre-cell phone, pre-internet. Yeah, the, no kidding. The advertisement in the Indianapolis Star said six foot two and under, can play basketball, and, you know, you're an Indiana kid. I mean, that's everyone. Yeah. Right? That's, that's everyone. Right. That's right. That's everyone. So they they had over a thousand tryout. They had tryouts in LA, New York, Chicago, and Indianapolis. And Indianapolis clearly was the the granddaddy of them all. We we uh, we tried out the natatorium down on the IUPUI campus. So was most of the the audition, the tryout, the whole thing more about basketball than acting, or did, did they have you read any lines, anything like so that? So we didn't find out till later, but uh, anybody that walked in with big high black socks on, uh-huh. they figured was a, a professional actor, and they walked them right out. Never even let no kidding. Shoot. That's true. <laughs> Never let them shoot a basket. And I went to the tryout with Phil Wendell, and he was immediately recognized um, as an Indiana legend. So they kind of ushered him to the front line. He said, hey, this this guy, meaning me, was with him. So we kind of got shuffled to the front. Obviously, the first basketball tryout was no big deal, you know, a couple right. of laps. So they brought us back to read, start reading lines, and that's that's where it kind of that's where it separated everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and then there were more basketball tryouts, and, and uh, you know they they kept having to shuffle it down, shuffle it down. I bet we're with Steve Holler, who played Kate Butcher in the movie, the classic movie, The Hoosiers. Everyone knows the movie, of course. And Gene Hackman was was your coach. In that, do you remember the first time you met Gene Hackman? Great question. I do, and I'm 19 at the time. I, I at that point, I, I 
had called my mom and dad and I had told them that I'm withdrawing from college. I'm quitting college. I'm a freshman in college because I had gotten the part in the movie. And, uh-huh. And, uh, they finished freaking out. And, uh, I told them I'm serious. I'm really quitting college. And I quit. And I show up on the set the first day and there's this guy sitting in blue jeans, average looking 50 year old dude. And, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't know who Gene Hackman was. Well, that's because, like, back then he wasn't, he, it was kind of before he really became Gene Hackman, Well, I guess. he sort of, he was Lex Luthor in Superman. Ah, that's, that's true, that's I mean, true. he, he was really a leading man But role. his head was, he had the bald head in that movie. So. Right on. So, but in my ignorance, I wasn't really a movie guy, I was a ball player. Right. You know, I, I mean, I didn't really care about the movie, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, from the ball plan, but but Hagman was just an average guy. He was just a blue jean guy in the corner. And you talk about, can you imagine what this would go for at a charity auction? He gave us a week of private acting lessons. Really? With Gene Hackman. Everybody, all the all the guys who were on the team, basically? He did, the eight of us. No so kidding. The eight of us on the Hickory team. He realized that we were all just kids and we had never acted. He knew we were ball players. He wasn't worried about that part, but he, he knew to make this legitimate, he had to pull off the acting end of it. We had a week of acting lessons with Gene Hackman. Man, that that's, was, that's pretty cool. That's a whole, that's a whole, uh, a radio show of its own. Yeah, that's right. Now you, of course, like I said, you helped Warsaw win a 1984 state championship. So you did it for real. Al Rhodes yeah. was your head coach and he, of course, is a coach here at, at Penn now. Yeah. Would Al Rhodes, would, would he have benched you like Norman Dale did <laughs> for shooting too much? Well, I tell you what, they were uh, they were totally different coaches. Best coach I ever played for was Al Rhodes. Uh, he's got my heart. And he's, he's a fabulous, fabulous mentor man and uh, think the world of Coach Rhodes. Uh, him, him and Norman Dale were, were very, very different styles of coaches. Yeah, I can imagine. I can uh, imagine. And, and I would have never, uh, I would have never hit a player or, or, or done any of that. <laughs> no, uh, I know. But I tell you, you know, the sign of a great coach, uh, Gene Hackman, Norman Dale. I'd have run through a wall for that guy, the same way I'd have run through a wall for Al Rhodes. So yep. that, you know, different styles. And I think that, you know, you've seen that over the years uh, broadcasting. A lot of different styles of coaches, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, that's right. But the reason, you know, do they get the results? Yep. And I think if they got the kids on board, and they really have, uh, they really got kids that'll do anything for them. A lot, a lot of cool things can happen. I'm sure you were recognized for a long time. How long did it take until you know that that kind of wore off, maybe a little bit? You know, or do you still get recognized? I do a bunch, and it's. But I, I can I can pretty much give the category who recognizes me now. <laughs> Anybody that's seen the movie more than ten times, <laughs> that's and there's something that sticks in the back of people's head. But but the funny part, uh, so I still have my hair and I still am the same stature and everything. Right. And people they they're just troubled. They can't figure out how they know me. They know somehow they know me. They, they think I've spoken to their Lions Club, or they think I'm in their church. Sure, they can't figure it out. And it bugs them. That's how I get ragged. <laughs> I bet. And sometimes I give it up, and sometimes I don't. Yep. Now you're a dentist in Warsaw right now, so you obviously still live here in the Hoosier State. We're, we're at that time where sectionals were just announced, and th- this is the the yearly debate where all the the, the single class and the most. Is it as a guy who won a single class state championship? What's it? What's it like to see this now? You know, it's really interesting. I think I think the most repeatable 
thing, and obviously there's a lot of passion involved with class basketball or no class basketball. And the Indianapolis Star called me, I, I believe it was, or it might have been USA Today. I got a phone call when everything broke in the state of Indiana and we really transitioned to class basketball. And they, I knew they wanted me to make a quote, and, and I was really very passionate and upset about it. And I said, the only thing that I'd like you to put in print is they will never make a movie about class basketball. Great point. We'll end on that one. Steve, Thank you. great to talk to you, and uh, thanks for, for stopping by. And, and uh, obviously everyone still loves the movie Hoosiers, and uh, so just go pop it in. And, and uh, when you see Raid Butcher, I mean – Hit the guy on the floor <laughs> or the guy who gets benched for too much shooting. That's who we're talking to. Thanks right for having now. me on. Absolutely. Pleasure. Great to meet you again, Steve. Thank you.